Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Misha Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host this week, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, Kid Presentable. Hello, how you doing, folks? Finally, last week's host, Lavender Gooms, is back with us this week. Mark like a nicely worn leather shoe that sup you let out just slipped right in man it was beautful i missed it yeah mark did you listen last week <laughs> oh no bobby okay no here's last. the thing because mike hosted last week and mike's pl- the plan was for mike to host either way but then I, I ended up still being on the show i didn't know what to do at the beginning here when it came to me i didn't have an intro line planned it was disaster <laughs> all Bobby true. had to do was say hello in some way I or another. Did, I, there was a froze. lot of pressure. I, I, I don't know if I'd ever been. I'm saying I don't think the only other time I wasn't the host was when we were doing the bracket and Stefan drove. And even then I might have started the intro. So I don't know. Um, anyway, folks. Well, it makes it easy when you have one thing you say every time. Um, and before we get into it, I'm sure you guys talked about it last week. But I want to give a big shout out to Mike, who's been posting those YouTube videos because I right. forgot about the show last week, and I was like, oh, yeah, look at these YouTube videos. All right, I'll check this out. And then Mike went the extra mile and added pictures to the Stuff We Like video. And I was like, I mean, I did listen to that part because I was like, this video is so fucking engaging. I got these pictures to look at. There we Good go. Job, Mike. Thanks, Mike. You did a great job on that front. And if you guys don't know, we do have a YouTube page. Mike's posting not only the full episode, but also taking out the Stuff We Like portion there and posting it yeah, up there. Please, so uh... it's, it's amazing, right? This yeah. is the channel. Where so, it's yeah, amazing. It if you haven't already, please uh, follow and like. Um, both of those things do help us. We're learning. No, 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 Bobby. You smash that like button. Smash that like button. Ring and, that bell. And I've learned you also got to ring that bell. Ring or that you bell. You won't get notified when a new video comes out. And another little thing, if you guys have not noticed, when you type in "It's I'm Amazing" in the search bar on YouTube, you get "It's Amazing." Oh yeah, um, things you can't spell. Results first. They so can't. you get Kanye West first. <laughs> Then you got to go to search instead for It's Amazing only, and then you'll... If you guys want to comment on It's it's Amazing that I was looking for It's Amazing and I ended up here, as someone who loves that song, I, I yeah, I'm on board with that also. Um, I mean, it's not an accident, guys. That it, our name is definitely a pun on that song. <laughs> Frank Mir walked out to it. I made a joke about it, and here we are years later. Yes, we are, folks. Um, all right, guys, we're going to talk about... Um, the very entertaining MMA fight uh, that main evented this UFC Apex event last weekend between Kevin Holland and Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson, by the way, undefeated since adopting the Melvin Gillard slash Simon Phoenix haircut mic. Just wanted to point that out for you. Um, we're going to talk about Holland, where it seems like we do that thing now where we criticize and criticize a guy for fighting the exact way he fights in his other fights. And we give no no credit to Derek Brunson, which appears to be the case of Derek Brunson's life at this point. Um, lots of news this week. Um, we're going to talk about the official retirement of accidental Kevin Holland cornerman Khabib Nurmagomedov, um, along with some lightweight type lightweight title picture news. The return of Dillashaw has uh, been cemented, and who he's fighting. 
other fights at 135. Stefan's guy, Rob Font, getting a big fight. Um, think that's, uh, I mean, assuming nobody gets arrested recently in the next couple hours, I think that might be it news-wise. Um, we might make our picks for this weekend's UFC 260, right? 260, um, main event of um, Steve Miocic, Francis Ngannou 2, the rematch. We lost the featherweight, uh, the featherweight title fight, which... Quite frankly, sounded like a bit of a banger, Marcus Ortega and Volkanovski. Yeah, that was uh, a shame. Looks like it got delayed. We'll still get that fight, hopefully soon. Uh, hopefully everybody. I don't know if it's confirmed who got sick, but hopefully whoever got COVID stays healthy and safe. I think it wouldn't be the one guy on an island nation that doesn't have you know zero what? cases of they COVID. Didn't, but... They didn't say it was Volkanovski, but they said it was because of something. They said like, it was like protocols. So and I, I was know, just like, like, and I'm like, Brian Ortega lives in LA, which is just like, we're in California. LA is not in good shape. Um, you think it would be yeah, there. I mean, it could have been like someone didn't get a test in time, so they weren't going to be able to make the flight. It, you know, who knows? But yeah. it, got, it got pulled. So. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Stipe Ngannou. T. Wood, uh, Woodley's on this card. Um, Sean O'Malley's on this card. So we'll talk about that. And then um, we're going to tell you right now, folks, we're going to be talking about Justice League. Um, I'm not sure how spoiler is really a spoiler at this point. That movie is three years old, and this is a um, a different cut with some new scenes. But, you know. Uh, let's let's be clear. It's not just like a director's cut. This shit was basically a new movie. Okay, I'm just saying. It wasn't like yeah, the, I mean, like there's not new information. The, the, the same winner at the end. This movie happened before, <laughs> but there's two hours of new footage. Yes. So... <laughs> It's kind of. I agree. You might. It's. It's kind of. I say it's going to be a spoiler chat. You know. Yeah. Um. We're gonna. If, you, if you're if you're gonna stick around and listen to it, you you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Exactly. But let's get into it, guys. Kevin Holland. Um. Derek Brunson. Um. Marcus. Kevin Holland couldn't stay off his back. It seemed like. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, um, you know, I wasn't on the show last week, but we all eventually did, you know, pick Kevin Holland. Um, and I think a lot of that, he was just on an amazing streak. You know, he had 2020 was a fantastic year for him. He won five fights. It's remarkable that he even competed five times, let alone he won all his fights. And in, you know, emphatic fashion, fighter of the you know, year he, for some people, those. probably. Yeah, me, he was in correctly. our conversation. I don't think he got I'm, ours, right? I, but I think I might have picked him. I think we all picked our own. I think I might have picked him. Different people. Somebody yeah. might have picked Figueroa, but. Yeah, but rightfully so. Um, you know, Derek Brunson, I think you kind of summed it up well in the beginning. This is a guy that really hasn't gotten the credit that he so rightfully deserves, and myself included. I have not been giving him credit because I just looked at his record again, and I was like, fuck, he's only lost against like the cream of the crop of this division, and I still think of him as kind of like a journeyman of contenders, right? Uh, almost like a Michael Bisping where he, he's really good. He gets a lot of wins, but he always loses that one fight that really puts him over the edge. Um, stylistically, this fight was worked out very well for him. You know, Kevin Holland has proved himself to be extremely dangerous on the feet, um, but we haven't seen a lot of his bottom game. And that, for me, is really the biggest takeaway. I think a lot of the chatter around this fight has been like Kevin Holland talking a lot during the fight, which is not new this is kind of like what he's done his yeah. entire career so it's kind of weird that that's taken such a poignant stance on this fight i think mostly it sticks out a little bit more when he's winning and he's chatting it up you know you can chalk it up to him being super confident him playing head games when you're losing um and you need to make those adjustments it kind of that's where the talking kind of goes like okay this is kind of wasted energy and, and not physical energy but just mental energy you know it takes it takes thought to form sentences in words and then speak them aloud to people yeah i thought my favorite i'm not sure what your favorite part was mark of his talk because i was having a good time like this is this is for entertainment's sake for the love of god most of the show him asking habib 
for advice to be his corner was good, where he said, I normally ask DC for advice. But the best line of the night for me was before the fifth round, where the corner's trying to hype him up, where he says, Coach, I believe in me too, but fuck. That was my favorite line of the whole goddamn thing for me. That was that yeah, was great. I, mean, <laughs> I think where a lot of the negativity around the chatter is coming into play is that like he himself didn't put a lot of onus on him being able to finish this fight for him being able to kind of pull it out um, from defeat's hands. Cause yeah, going into that fifth, I mean, look, I, I think it it is all good and fun. I think it is funny that he talks while he's fighting, but I think where it gets frustrating and where a lot of the frustration from the fans comes from is like, in this fight, we, we got to see, we really got good looks at both these fighters and what they're good at and what they're bad at. Cause Kevin Holland, you know, in the first round he, he slipped and he couldn't get off his back. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway. Of this whole fight is his inability to create sc- scrambles to get up because when he did create some scrambles later in those rounds, like one time he went for an arm bar that led into a scramble where he got up, he's able to scramble and get up. But there was multiple rounds where he was kind of just cool, just like letting Brunson just be in his guard. Um, in the first round, you know, I think you could look at that and be like, he kind of gave that round away. If I want to give him more credit, I could say that could have been a strategy because that was the round where Brunson was really throwing some heavy ground and pr- pound and trying to get some stuff done in the guard. And Kevin did a good job blocking up, turtling up, moving, not taking a lot of damage. And we saw throughout the rest of the fight, Brunson was kind of stuck in third gear. He wasn't really able to ramp it up and and do big damage or, you know, really threaten with submissions. But ultimately, you know, we saw in the second round, Kevin Holland landed some clean shots, had Brunson hurt, dropped him, but just wasn't able to follow up, quickly got taken. And fight because he landed some better punches. He didn't win. That. He did not win that round. Brunson came back, hit him with some good shots, took him down, and then threatened with the submission. Um, and the rest of the fight, you know, basically rounds three and four was more of the same. And again, you know, going into the fifth round, he was definitely down. I, and I think by what I was kind of criticizing, I mean, sure, it's funny that he's yelling to DC and Habib, but in this fight, he needed he needed to get instructions on how to win the fight, and then he needed to perform those actions to a T to win this fight. And he seemed disinterested in that. He really, it really didn't seem like his goal was to win this fight. It seemed like his goal was to earn the respect of Darren, Derek Brunson. He kept trying to like touch his hands and and, and like be buddy buddy with him. And he made a big deal about getting the takedown in that the was... last round. Like, oh, I'm the only person to get takedowns. Like, dude, that's great. You got a little notch on your records. That's an L. That's what matters. W's and L's. And look, you can you can put that on your your bedpost. You got a little notch. You, you took Derek Brunson down. Round of applause. But you lost the fight. And you lost all that momentum. You had a banger 2020. Mark, that's what Socrates would have called a pyrrhic victory. Sure. Yeah, whatever acronym or whatever you have for it. it. But the most important thing at the end of the day is he lost. And I think in that fifth round, he had created an environment where he still could win. He had a lot more energy in that fifth round. Uh, Brunson was very tired. There was huge gaps in their stand-up ability, but ultimately it came down to Brunson being able to, I mean, one, it came down to Kevin Holland overextending a lot of his punches, presenting easy opportunities for Derek Brunson to get takedowns consistently. So he was able to get him down. And the other thing was like Holland didn't seem super convinced or rushed or urgent to get up off the ground. And he just gave up way too many rounds. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, like you said, Bobby, I thought it was a fun match. I, I know a lot of people were getting like frustrated with Kevin cause he was talking, but for me, it was just like, man, I know I've seen enough in this fight to know that this guy could win this fight. 
he doesn't seem to really want it. He, yeah. he seemed like he was just kind of like, I, I'm I'm cool with going to the decision. I'm cool getting five rounds in my first five round fight and not, you know, you know, getting finished. But like, we kind of hope he, he would shoot a little higher and try to get that W. Yeah, I don't. Um, Before we get, 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 want to give Derek Brunson some credit here, I'm going to say something here. A little, yes. little criticism of him. Um, He has terrible reactions to getting hit. Like for a guy who's got like 25 fights or whatever it is. Anytime he got hit, you could tell. Like immediately, it was like, "Oh, okay, I got stung here. I got stung here." I remember thinking, "Like, man." And then, like, the sad part is, I was listening to Khabib when he was responding to him, and Khabib was trying to give Kevin good advice because Kevin was overextending himself on his examinations, and Khabib was just like, "No, you need to watch your hips, your hips." And he's trying to tell him stuff, and I'm like, "You should listen to the advice you asked for, motherfucker. It's right there." Um, yeah, there, he could have won that fight. I remember thinking like it was like the fourth, fifth round. I'm like, he could still do this. Like he could still get this done. Like Derek yeah. Brunson looks exhausted. Um, but Mike, let's give credit to the man, right? Derek Brunson, because um, his losses. Mark mentioned them. Let's just talk about who the man's lost to. Um, Israel Adesanya, champion. Jacare Souza, Strikeforce champion and multiple time contender. Uh, Anderson Silva, maybe the greatest middleweight ever. Robert Whitaker, champion. Yoel Romero, he's got like nine title fights, nine title chances. Jacare again. This is back, by the way, we're at 2012. He lost to Kendall Grove nine, 10 years ago. It's That's not great. It's not great. That's the worst well, one. 10 Perhaps Kendall years ago. Grove still had something in him 10 years ago. Yeah, shit, man. It was 10 Probably years ago. It was, not, it was a, Derek Brunson, man, I, I think the UFC has decided what they think he is. Even Dana White was just, the whole time he was talking about how, like, um, Kevin Holland had a mental breakdown in this fight. But I think we got to put some respect on on Derek Brunson's name at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, not giving any respect at all to to Derek Brunson. Um, although Kevin Holland was a little weird mm-hmm. in this fight, um, he he seems to be playing around way more than I think he he normally would. But Kevin Ho- Derek Brunson won this fight. How Derek Brunson normally wins these fights? He got a lot of pressure and he got takedowns. Um, no one has ever said. I don't think anyone on this podcast has ever said that Derek Brunson is a scrub. It's just, it's really hard to get the, the taste out of your mouth when, you know, Israel Adesanya embarrasses you like how he did in, in during his last loss. Um, but he's only ever lost to really good people. And it's not an insult. Well, perhaps to Derek Brunson it is, but it's not an insult to be called a high-level gatekeeper, which... Let's face it, that's still what Derek Brunson is. This hasn't assuaged my thought process as to this uh, characterization of Derek Brunson because what have we learned from this fight? We've either learned one or two things. Either Derek, uh, Kevin Holland isn't as good as we thought he was or Kevin Holland fucked up. I think we already knew that Derek Brunson was a B-plus fighter or A-minus fighter at his best. I mean, I would just say... You know, I, I think you're right. Like, the, the, it's easy to, to put him in that that box of being a high level gatekeeper. But like, if he plays his cards right, and if the landscape works out, like he could get a title. Like, it, I, I I look at him a lot like Michael Bisbing. Within, if certain stars align, he might just be able to win that title. I disagree. That's, exa- that's exactly the uh, example I was going to use. See, here's the thing. I disagree because I think what he's done here is, um, and I want to get Steph's thoughts on this too. I don't. The difference between Michael Bisping. And Derek Brunson is the UFC didn't put Michael Bisping in a position to be like, I need you to go and lose to this other guy we're trying to build up. Or we our best case scenario is you losing to this guy. Derek Brunson has now put two 
semi-hype trains to bed back-to-back. I don't think you get title shots and curry favor with the UFC when you're essentially working against their plan. That's just my thoughts. I mean, what the hell is he supposed to do? Lose I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not saying he's supposed to lose the fight, but you're saying he's going to get a title fight. I'm saying there's no chance he's going to get a title fight unless if he's, if he's, well, I'm not, I'm not saying now. I was saying that he, I think in the landscape of the middleweight division, he is now kind of etched out a style that is no longer really consistent in this weight class, which is wrestlers. This yeah. used to be a wrestler heavy weight division, but Luke's gone. Chris Weidman is not the same person he is. Jacare isn't around anymore. Romero left. Like, there's kind of a lack of wrestlers, and we just got off the middleweight champion losing the fight because of a lack of wrestling. A lack his inability to stop Jan from taking him down and controlling him lost him that fight. Now, I'm not going to say Derek Brunson's going to beat Izzy. We have seen that fight. Izzy handled him in the first round. I think he stylistically has a style now that could match up favorably against some of the guys that we're seeing coming up in this division. So I don't, well, I'm not, yeah, he's, he's still a far shot from getting that shot and even winning it. But I'm just saying he's of the caliber that I'm not going to be like, you know, it's not going to blow my, my brains out if he, he gets a shot and he wins it because he stylistically matches up well with one of these that's you know, fair. fighters. Stefan, I want to get your thoughts on this. And we got two guys here. We got Derek Brunson and we got Kevin Holland. What do you want to see from each of them next? Where do you, what kind of matchup do you want from Kevin Holland, who was number 10 ranked going into this? And looking at what's below him in the rankings, we're looking at Chris Weidman, we're looking at um, Shabazian, Brad Tavares, guys like that. Um, and then Derek Brunson, man, was number seven going into this. What do you think? Do we get, do we give him a top five opponent? What do you, what do you think we see for both of these guys going forward? Um, it's Derek Brunson is going to continue on his path. Um, I agree with Mark that he could get a title shot. I 100% disagree that he has any chance in hell of winning it. Because... I might be a little too positive there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because that's what we mean when he's a high-level gatekeeper is he proved fighting him shows are you ready for to swim in that end of the pool is what it is. But he's clearly a step behind on the elite talent. The elite talent, he everyone hits him. The, the elite talent can kind of put him away. Is, is kind of what we're seeing is like kind of the difference in guys. So, you know, I, I kind of just think Brunson continues of whoever we do want to be next in line. You know, um, I believe Kelvin will be fighting Whitaker probably as the next title eliminator. Um, yeah, we lost, if, uh, we lost, what's his name? Costa, because Costa yeah. got the flu or something. That was going to be him. So, um, you know, the, 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 the top of the division and who's on deck is already kind of occupied, but. I haven't. I'm not. I don't have the rankings in front of me, but that's what I just see. Brun, Brunson's getting another Holland esque guy, right? Another guy who's who's surging their way into the ten, and then like here's Brunson. Prove you deserve to be in the five by fighting him. That's um, to give you to give you the rankings right now. It's obviously Adesanya on top. Whitaker, Paulo Costa, Jared Cannonier, Darren Silver, good Silver, Darren Till, Marvin Vittori, Jack Hermanson, and then Derek Brunson. Then Vittori, right? There's the guy. You want want to prove Vittori should be ready for a, a title fight? You know, like that's that's the type of guy who, that who, runs a fight. Who, doesn't Vittori have a fight booked? Or I'm just saying, I'm he beside He's note. fighting Till. Till. By the way, there's nobody more interesting for me in this weight class that's up coming up than Marvin Vittori. That's what I want at this point. That's my eyes I kind on of agree. him. I, he beat everybody else. 
<laughs> Izzy beat all these dudes. <laughs> I think he, him and Izzy have an interesting history. Mm-hmm. Having watched that fight and in back then not knowing who Marvin was. And like like you said a couple weeks ago, Bob, you kind of thought like, okay, it, this is more of Izzy not being good at this than Marvin being good. Marvin's proven himself. And if he gets through Till, he makes a really strong case. And I think if they do match up again, he has some confidence going into that fight. All right, uh, Steph, let's put a bow on it. Kevin Holland, man, what do we do now? Um, I, I think we're gonna just going to see a classic bounce back fight. He'll fight a guy who's maybe not even in the back end of the top 15 slash maybe not even ranked at all. It's going to be like a highlight fight where it's a guy. I expect the line to be 350 to, to, to whatever, like minus 350 favorite. And you just want to see like, can Kevin Holland get back to his knockout ways? Was it a blip on the radar? I, I just think the hype train stalls out and 2020 is kind of a wash, unfortunately, even though he won five fights. I think that you mentioned some interest. I think Tavares sounds interesting. Cannoneer. I think anyone that isn't going to wrestle him and is going to stand up with him, I think potentially could have a really interesting. I was going to say I wouldn't put him with somebody like Tavares just because Tavares is. I mean, maybe not more recently. Tavares is so hard to like look really good against. It's just he's such a goddamn like tough dude that he'll be there the whole fight. In more recent times, it's become a little bit difficult like that. Like Court McGee is another guy like that where I'm like, do you really want to get into him? Like you're not going to look good necessarily in that fight. Somebody's more of an action fighter that I think he can put away. But yeah, I think a bounce back fight, Mike. I think the UFC does one of their favorite tactics where they pit two young prospects against each other and have them eat each other apart. And in this case, it'll be a rematch fight with him and Buckley. Oh, interesting. That's that's true. It's some shine worn off there. Too. End of the day, I still liked Kevin Holland. I thought his, his I, fight wasn't the most exciting, but I do find him to be an interesting character. And I think a lot the the trash talk turned a lot of people off, but I do still think it's kind of yeah. Fun it's, it's the thing that it's Mark. You know what, man? It's like it's like we we all discovered when they when you once you lose, we're all gonna point out the shit you do anyway. Like when Anderson lost to Weidman, they're like, oh, he showboated too much. I'm like, really? Because the last twelve fucking fights, he embarrassed all these people showboating and then got knocked. Yeah, out. this is a little bit of you know getting that, yeah. that whiteout out and rewriting a little bit of history yeah. when someone loses. But at the end, of the, I think a lot of people have been down on Kevin Holland. I'm kind of glad that I guess he had an Instagram uh, video where he's like, I'm still gonna talk shit. This is just yeah. what I do. I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna change who I am. And look, it, it, it might lose some fights, you know, but. I think I like his little mantra that he just wants to be an exciting fighter. He doesn't necessarily care if he wins the title, which I think is, you know, you kind of want fighters to have that that gusto to to think they are the best to push because it's hard when you're not. When you don't I mean, have that that's mindset, some of that's probably like a public persona type thing too, where you want to give too, off the attitude but too. But I love a fighter that's like, I'm here to entertain you guys, like because that's at the end of the day, I want to be entertained. And this hey man, fight, this is a TV probably, show. <laughs> this fight could have been really boring we've seen a lot of brunson fights that are not super entertaining the talking and him throwing wild punches made it exciting in a losing effort but still entertaining at the least so how bad how, how bad would this fight have been if he wasn't talking it would have been on, pretty bad it, <laughs> it would have been a lot of it would have been a lot more shit on brunson so instead of brunson he should be thrilled in this fight he just gets no fucking credit everyone just talks about like oh kevin holland had a mental breakdown in the fight he gets no credit if he would have won and there was no talking it would have been like He's boring and no one cares about him. It's like this dude really, he, okay. he's in a lose lose scenario. Let's but that's going. enough about this fight. Yeah, that's honestly, I said we're going to talk about the fight for 10 minutes. We're 23 minutes into it. Oh, I'm a chatty um, Kathy. I've yeah, been it was all of us. It was, got, it was fun, man. Middleweight. The most interesting people for me Marvin Vittori, Kevin Holland. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, so what happens? Your champion beats everybody. Okay, some news this week. Khabib's still retired, man. Nothing. There's, it's not new. It's, it's the UFC been honey dicking us with pay, with announcements here or there about whether Khabib is fight, Khabib's fighting back. Khabib's not coming back. Khabib prove everything he's gonna improve is gonna prove. He's twenty nine and zero. That's cool. He's not getting that GSP fight. GSP. We'll talk about him later and stuff we like. Mike, <laughs> Bobby, 
you have to say this correctly, the news that happened this week, mm-hmm. okay? It's not that GSP's retirement is official. You Khabib. Yeah, that's what I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's that Dana White has finally reached the last step in loss, which is acceptance. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mostly just like Mike's like, look, we can't fuck this up. <laughs> and he immediately puts the wrong name, which is such a me thing to do. It's like, let me fuck this up a little bit. No, um, but yeah, you're right. We have a vacant lightweight championship. Um, the UFC um, has got themselves a vacant title fight. Um, it is not the one with um, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And let me tell you why it's not that. This is just this part's me just talking. They wanted to put Dustin and Conor as the main event in May. Presumably, both these gentlemen said they wanted X amount of dollars to fight. And the UFC's like, ha ha, we don't give money to people if we don't have to. We'll just wait on them. They just kept waiting. Um, and then the UFC's like, shit, we need a main event in May. Um, what can we do? How about we just make this other thing as a title fight? So the title fight, um, everybody knows they were talking to Justin Gaethje to fight Michael Chandler. They can't act like they weren't. We're at three months of them talking to Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje said he was training, waiting for a bout agreement. Justin Gaethje might have overplayed his hands because hand because he's now out of the title fight. It's Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. Um, we had a five-man thing going on here, guys. Somebody was going to get fucked in the get paid or get a title fight combo. Connor and Dustin were booked. The other three were fighting for two spots. Justin got the short end of the, sk- of the, of the stick there. Charles Dobronx Oliveira, Michael Chandler, May 15th for the, un- for the lightweight championship of the world. I'm just going to go ahead and write this down right now. The winner's fighting the winner of Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Probably. Sure. That makes sense to me, especially if it's Dustin. Um, we don't have to talk about Khabib retiring again. Steph, Michael Chandler, and Charles Oliveira. I mean, that just sounds like a good time. At lightweight, it doesn't really matter, does it? You just pick the top five guys, you start drawing lines, and you book whatever you book. It's like, I think, you know, I think in our heads, Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, it just sounded great on paper. And that's just, frankly, us being four xenophobic Americans. (laughs) Uh, We we want our guy to be the champion. (laughs) Because, like you said, it kind of didn't matter what the combination was. Whatever two you chose from that pool, that's fine. That's why Dustin versus Connor was probably the least deserving, but we're still like Connor versus Dustin. That could have been for the vacant title. Sure. Like it just really didn't matter. Charles more than earned this shot as like, you know, like he's not much of a personality. He doesn't speak English. So we've never really been able to connect with him in any kind of like deeper way, you know, but the ass whooping he put on Tony Ferguson. And we want to talk about like when shit talking goes wrong. Tony Tony Ferguson still talking shit about Khabib like the 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 shine is all gone on Tony now you're just like it's just crazy Tony who's been hit in the head one too many times saying stupid shit now you know so like it's gonna be a good fight right um and and quite frankly I I my, I'm tempted to like early take Charles like, man you just you just said what I, I was about to say you're never about to say, you're saying what I'm about to say I was about to say like man I got right now you ask me to pick I'm gonna take Charles Oliveira because I really want it. Like, I, I don't know why I've decided in my head how much I want Charles Oliveira to be the fucking champion of the UFC lightweight division, the path this man has taken. Because do you remember how many times we thought this guy – and look, I'm not sure we ever said he was soft because we're not that much of assholes. But we definitely thought, like, man, he breaks. And we assigned this to this kid years ago that he breaks. Like, six he, years ago, we would say that. 
right? Mark and I have talked about this phenomenon with other fighters where it's like Dos Anjos was it, I think, for Mark and myself for a while. You get one specific image in your head, and it was him folding from an elbow. And it's mm. like, that didn't even seem like that big of a shot. It's tough for me to think that this guy's going to become the champion and go on a devastating run here. And it's for Charles Oliveira, all of us held this Donald Cerrone jab against mm. him for years. Mm. He crumbled from the jab, and it looked like he didn't want it. But then we remember, oh, he was like 22 years old. Yeah, and he started like, so young. <laughs> he's like 28, 29. He's in his physical prime. Like, he's filled out. He's gotten stronger. He's gotten faster. Like, yeah, the, the kid just came of age, and we've been seeing, like, the fruit of it. So it's it's going to be a good fight. There's, there's, there's no way. There was no way to mess up the lightweight title, really. Yeah, Unless it is- was to give Connor now because he's coming off another loss. Yeah, I remember thinking, like, after the fight was over with Dustin, we're like, that should have been the title fight. Like, that was when it made sense. They fucked that up. Um, Mark, early reaction, though. I mean, you feel for Justin, but the only person who hasn't gotten a title, I mean, the people who haven't gotten title fights in this equation, there they are. Those two guys, right? Yeah. I mean, I think when you first presented it, I was like, that's not bad. I don't have any qualms with that because it did seem like two guys that were... I mean, I think of this in this equation, Chandler's the, the least deserving. He just got into the UFC. He had a fantastic yeah. performance against Dan Hooker, and he's done great stuff in Bellator. But like the UFC common fan is not as familiar with him and his body of work. Charles Oliveira was obviously the guy that that's deserved it more. He deserved it through merit, not through popularity or you know, you know, talking on the mic and stuff like Stefan said. But like just getting fantastic wins and just beating the competition. Um, yeah, I mean, this division. It's always been a division that's always that's been pretty healthy throughout its entire you know span, except for those years where it didn't exist in the UFC. Um, and it might be the healthiest right now when you have basically five contenders that, like you guys said, could slot in anyone, and it makes sense and works to, to varying degrees, right? I think a, a Connor, Dustin, Poirier, too, being for the belt would have been a little sleazy, but we would have accepted it anyways to be like, oh, it's UFC just doing bullshit UFC stuff. But I th- what's really cool is that yeah, you're gonna have this title fight. You're going to have Dustin and Connor. You're going to have Justin Gaethje in the wings and a lot of other hungry guys at 155. This The new champion is going to have a list of contenders to, to fight against, and they're exciting matchups. So, yeah, the, the future is extremely bright. Um, you know, It's unfortunate that Habib didn't stick around. Obviously, he still had a lot of years in him if he wanted to continue, and he has a lot of interesting matchups now. You know, He hasn't fought Charles. He hasn't fought uh, Michael Chandler. But it is what it is. Him leaving does not, you know, kill this division. In fact, you know, a lot of times when the champion leaves, it kind of livens things up. You know, Habib wasn't such a dominant champion that he cleared out the division. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of talent there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they match up the rest of the pieces. Uh, Mike, what is your initial thoughts before we move on to the other news of the week here? Throw the hat, throw the names in the hat. Pick whichever two out. I would have been happy with it. I've got absolutely no issues with this. Yeah. Tournament would have been fun. Lightweight, man. Lightweight, I think the best Big division. Big thing? The UFC sweet it spot, is. man. The UFC sweet spot of talent is really just like, you go 135 to 170. The best, I mean, 125 is getting there too. Once you get below, look, once you get out of the weight where the other people can make more money doing other sports, the talent yeah. level really gets incredible. That's really what it is. The fact that 205 was the marquee division as long as it was, is fucking incredible. Like... Mike. There's also the there's also the thing, and I think uh, Mark brought it up just slightly. If I just can expand on it a bit, is that normally when a dominant champion leaves, you know, we'll say things like, "Oh, this really opens up the division." But what that really means is, "Oh, this will allow you know like new talent to to come in and really grow." You know, but in this case, there are like four or five just straight up killers at lightweight, where you're like, "Oh yeah, all of these guys are awesome fighters and would be awesome champs." 
had it not been for Habib being there. I mean, we got Makachev so in the really wings too. in year and a half. We got Makachev in the wings coming, coming too, man. Makachev's out there. Supposed to be next. Yeah, that's so. exciting too. Um, all right, some news at 135. We've all, we've been talking about this for weeks, how excited we were for where this weight class was going. And I think we might have guessed every iteration of these matchups, but let's go ahead and say we guessed these. TJ Dillashaw, Cody Sandhagen. Or Corey? Corey Sandhagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, apologize, Mr. Sandhagen. Uh, former teammates, apparently. Um, Sandhagen wanted the smoke. He said, I want TJ. And he recognized that he just lost to, well, the now champion, um, Aljamain Sterling. That's, what a world. What a world. <laughs> And uh, he's like, I need another fight. I am all about this matchup. I think that is a sick fight. I mean, assuming TJ, after two years, looks like TJ back then, on this is going to look fucking awesome. Like, And then the other matchup, Steph, your boy Roth Bont, he wanted a big fight. We got the man a big fight. Got him a former champion in Cody Garbrandt. Um, it seems how like I a real... That, uh, how I want that fight to play out is I want Rob to knock him out and then i want whatever airline that was to offer rob font a lifetime of free miles for knocking out the the airline bully. you know what not to get grim but like is this this dude's okay now like remember we talked about how he had the horrible complications like maybe we should give him a physical i mean i'm not trying to diminish Ro- uh, cody garbrandt's ability to earn a living but maybe they should check like remember he had like he had a he hasn't fought in a while because he had a horrible covid post-covid um complications so we'll see 135 is healthy as hell that is a there's so much coming man and we got ourselves an immediate rematch coming with peter yan and uh, aljermaine sterling um aljo we need to come up with a new strategy in this one whatever the strategy was in the first one wasn't good um i mean he became champion but <laughs> like it's gonna be hard to bank on that one again he's gonna yeah. be taking a lot of knees yeah, in this second fight no, why, why, why don't you think that. about your comments while <laughs> aljermaine you know sleeps with the with the belt Oh, I mean, look, I love Aljamain Sterling, but that did not go well. <laughs> See, you say that, Bob, but at the same time, I think of those Bellator heavyweights who just kept exchanging intentional nut strikes, and I just want them to do that dance forever. And I absolutely want Jan Aljo, too, to end in some type of illegal strike shenanigans. That was good because Mark said, I bet there's another nut shot. And then it happened, and then all three of us cried laughing. Just cried. We were in tears laughing. Whatever I forgot the name of the guys, but there was like a three fight stretch where they kept dick kicking each other. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was great. Look it up. Go to Bellator. He, he stopped them. Um, yeah, I don't think we got anything else going on. Um, but sorry, my phone, my computer is acting strange. Um, so yeah, we got. I don't think any of the news. We're still waiting on. You know, I mean, maybe John Jones run into the cage this weekend. We get some news at a heavyweight weight class, but um. Let's just move on to the pay-per-view, I guess. UFC 260 coming to you from the apex. We're at one year since the world ended, basically. One year of UFC events in the apex, right? Roughly, I think they started in April of last year. Yeah, maybe, less, maybe yeah. April-ish. There was a break where you know everyone was too, you know. Well, we're trying to go to the Tachi Palace. Yeah, but we're, we're trying to move in the Tachi. Palace. <laughs> we're trying to go to the Tachi Palace. <laughs> <laughs> That's still I. In a horrible time this was last year. Not bad being put a smile on my face like the most carny shit ever. Go to the and we had uh, the Disney executives calling the governor of California. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on uh, that was, this time just, last year. Yeah. Oh, now talk about changing history the way they talk about there. Um, okay. We got ourselves the rematch. Stipe Miocic, the greatest heavyweight that's ever lived. The baddest man on the planet. Taking on the man nobody wants to fight, man. 
the man who, short of Derek Lewis, somehow beating him, has been on a fucking tear. Francis Ngannou, I mean, besides that Derek Lewis fights, I mean, besides that terrible fight against Derek Lewis, since the loss to Stipe Miocic, we got him knocking out Curtis Blades in 45 seconds. Him knocking out Cain Velasquez in 26 seconds. Him knocking out Junior Dos Santos in a minute 11. Him knocking out uh, Biggie Boy in 20 seconds. That's since the loss of Derek Lewis. These guys fought first time January 2018. Wasn't that long ago. Um, since their last matchup, Stipe Miocic, um, I believe he lost his title in the middle there. On that same card as a Derek Lewis fight, Stipe Miocic lost to Daniel Cormier. Um, then he beat Daniel Cormier's ass twice to cement his position as the greatest ever. Um, betting line for this one makes not a lot of sense, if you ask me. But Steph, betting line. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, when I saw it, I was a little shocked. Uh, you said the line was actually initially even higher um, as much as uh, Francis was initially coming in the favorite as much as a 200 uh, two to one favorite, but it seems like it's dropped now to minus one twenty to even money on Stepe Miocic. Um, it's just that aura, man. Right? It's it's why he was we minus thought he was going to win. Was the first minus two twenty five when it opened. Minus two twenty five was the average opening odds on on Francis Ngannou. It's insane for a fight he lost five rounds. Yeah, he lost every round the first time. Um, look, I'm gonna, I'm tipping my hand here. I could be horribly wrong. Francis is killing everybody, but Stipe is the best, man. I think he's the best heavyweight ever, period. I mean, other people had greater runs. Fedor didn't lose for 10 fucking years, but Stipe is the best heavyweight ever. And he beat this guy already once. And if he beat, and if he loses to him this time, cool. Francis is the man, but I'm not going to pick against, I'm not going to be that dumbass. I think I'm, I'm feel like a dumbass when, you know, if, if I, pick Stipe <laughs> if I pick Francis now I'm like when the same shit happens we can get to the second round of this one and Francis has been spending the whole first round swinging at air did anybody did we did we learn that Francis has got a gas tank that's gonna go past a round or two have we learned that I didn't learn anything I, that's not on him necessarily he beat everybody's ass in less than two minutes but I got I got I got Stipe um Mike who's your pick in this one yeah, I'm going to have Stipe in this one as well. Um, Stipe beat him pretty handily in the first fight. It's not like Stipe has somehow left his prime. I mean, Stipe is still in his mid to late 30s. Um, and as a heavyweight, that means he probably saw seven or eight more years of fucking high-level fighting to go. And not to say that Francis hasn't gotten a lot better since that fight, I guess in a weird way, you could say Francis was still a very, you know, raw fighter when, when he fought Stipe. And I'm pretty sure he's learned a lot from that fight. But Stipe beat him the first time. And as Bobby said, Stipe is the greatest heavyweight that ever lived. No, you're an asshole if you pick against him, considering that France, you know, considering he beat Francis the first time. I don't think you're an asshole. I'm a feeling no, like an, an asshole, ass. though. You're I mean, well, one of us might actually pick him. I'm going to feel bad for calling each other assholes. Mark, you ready for your pick on this one? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I I know it's either me or Steph is going to pick Francis just to, to mix. Because it, it, I'd feel like an asshole if we all picked Stipe. Because 
there's a very real reality that could be Francis just runs right through Stipe like he has with everyone else. I, I think, you know, I do agree. Like, I think logically, like, Stipe should be the favorite here because we haven't seen those advances in Nuganu's game that made me think, like, okay, yeah, he's going to be able to go five hard rounds because, example A, all we've seen him do is what he did in the run-up to fighting Stipe the first time, which is, it, but to even better fashion, you know, his run the first time, he was still getting first-round finishes, but they were going into the second and third round, and now they're not getting out of a minute 20. So, and I, and that could be to, to Francis's downfall, because I feel like his strategy probably isn't going to blitzkrieg Stipe and try to get him out there in the first two minutes. That might be his best strategy, though, but I think he's going to be like, okay, this is a five-round fight. I'm not going to blow my wad and try to to finish this really quickly. I'm going to be tactical, which we haven't seen him be tactical before. Like, what is that Francis Nagano? And, 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 I, and I think if he tries to play that card, it ends up being a lot like the first fight, where, where Stipe is going to be more technical. He's going to be able to get clinches and takedowns. Bob. Mark, I, I, do you think, for me, part of the thing here is that there's a gap in talent here with these guys and some of the top of this division with the rest of it, where I'm like, I would have liked to have looked at the people's Francis beat. And I'm not trying to diminish Cain diminish Velasquez here because Cain Velasquez is right up there all time too. But that's not the same Cain Velasquez. These, and that's not the same Junior Dos Santos. It wasn't like he went back and fought guys who were almost as good as Stipe. Like he went back and fought the same level of opponents he was knocking out the first time around. You know what I mean? That's a what DC like. fight, a, a win yeah. over DC in this would have I mean, made class. this easier. I'm going to go with uh, Francis... Because one of us, one of us has to, and I don't, I don't feel bad being on that island, even though I know Steph probably would have taken it if we all took Stipe. Um, I'll let I you would have, have Mark, and you miss. I was all ready to say it. I was going to set history and be the first ever pick the favorite plums pick, the, the <laughs> plums pick for the betting line. I, 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 I went to Mike first because I'm like, there's zero percent Mike picks Mangano. Mike's trying to win this year. Mike's not going to lay it out now. They right in fucking March. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and you look at Stipe too. He hasn't had a lot of rematches, but the one guy he rematched was DC, and he figured him out in the second in the second fight and beat him in the third. So like, there there is even some narrative there where you can be like, well, Stipe gets better fighting a, an opponent multiple times. He gets better looks at them. He's able to break them down. Um, I'm gonna go with Mangano because I think he's a very live horse in this, and I think you can look at the skill level right and be like, okay, you know the guy. Guys that Francis beat this time, you know, weren't cream of the crop necessarily. But the one thing that he has is freakish power and the ability to kind of freeze guys a little bit. And I think for him to be successful, he needs to kind of go against the common logic because I, I think logically you'd want to go in there and be cautious and, you know, not try to get this fight out the first round. I think his best bet is he comes in like a berserker and tries to catch Stipe with something because Stipe is very hittable, right? But Absolutely. he's much more hittable if you create chaos and you put a bunch of pressure on him and you're just going balls to the wall. You also open yourself up to takedowns. And I'm sure Stipe is looking at that, too. If he can get Francis, if he can ground Francis for a round or two, the stamina is going to go, the adrenaline is going to dump, and he'll have a much easier time en route to a decision. But I think the best chance for Francis is to go berserker, try to get him out quick, because that's that's your style, dude. That's what got you to the dance. Don't don't you know lose ha it now. Has Stipe ever tapped anybody? I don't know because I know Not, that, I mean, I, when he gets I, him down, he ground and pounds, which is he's really good at that too. But I don't, I don't. He's a really a good fighter. Yes, he he's a great really fighter. He's the I man, mean, and he's he's the best heavyweight because you know he's I, been able to hold that belt where no one else has. So, Steph, you, you know what I, Steph, you know what I like about Stipe? The man has such a fucking chip on his shoulder, shoulder for being the man. Like he hates. Like he knew the UFC wanted him to lose to Francis the first time. He knows they want him to lose. They want him to lose every fight. Francis Stipe. 
lives to piss off Dana White is what I realized as champion. It's one of my favorite things about him. Um, it's really amazing to me, too, since Stipe is a blue-collar white guy. Like, that seems tailor-made for a, what the U.S. would do, put front and center. Like, <laughs> it really, a, a blue-collared white dude. Like, he has the audacity to ask for money as heavyweight champion of the world. Anyway, you want to He's kind of like it? Super Dad where he's always playing these pranks and jokes on his wife, but he's really not that funny. But to him, he's hilarious. So he's, it's like that's why it's ultimate dad joke mode. Um, I'm, I'm glad Mark picked uh, uh, Francis because it makes it just easier to take Stipe, which is where the feelings were. But I, I, where I disagree with Mike about being an asshole is the DC trilogy represents both why Francis can win, but also why Stipe can win. Stipe can get caught, as he did with that clinch anchor punch. He can absolutely get caught. But then what you saw in the subsequent fights is, he's not chinny, because he can take shots and still keep coming. DC continued to hit him in those other fights. And, you know, DC in the in the second one, he really headhunted. All, he knew he had knocked him out the first time, so all he wanted to do was throw power at the head, and he landed a lot of those, but, DC, or, but Stipe never really quite folded the way he did before. Um, and what I also know, you know, we've seen coming in a recent card is if Stipe feels a little pressure, he'll poke you in the eye. You know, he'll Ooh. get that dirty. He'll get that dirty strike in. He, he's getting ready for the John Jones matchup, man. You got to get ready for that, man. That's what well, I want. By the way, like my end game. Say, you know, especially if Herb Dean is the judge, you get one. You get to get one cheap shot in there for that warning before he well, he's going to call it. He's not going to call it on one. He's he's too conservative in that regard. But like, seriously, it's like. Steve A is pretty fantastic. And the, the wrestling's the big X factor, right? Blades never got a chance to get it off, and Kane was kind of a very diminished version of himself by the time he ran into Francis. So Stipe is, is the only guy we've ever really seen test it. Um, I can't remember how the Derek Lewis fight went. They all um, stood. They st I was in their arena. I stood. We, they stood and faced each other. When my little brother cursed at me for saying the fight was going to be good. That's it's like uh, when you're a kid and you were given the Mad Cats controller and the A button doesn't work. And then your friend's like, I don't care. Like, you got to deal with it. I can't punch you. It's just the button doesn't work. Because that, that was just Francis's whole fight. He just wasn't throwing. But again, he, he he's it's live that that haymaker can come. He has hellacious power. Um Dude, but I had he's clever and he's tough. So I had I had bets on both sides of that fight and I lost both of them. I had Francis. You managed by just, to lose both. I had Francis winning or Derek Lewis by knockout, and I don't like. I was like, those are the two options, right? And then Derek Lewis won by decision, and I'm like, fuck this. This is terrible. <laughs> um, all right, the other two fights we're picking. Um, this card gets kind of thin. I mean, actually, no, both these fights are good, but like, we lost a title fight. It kind of sucks. We're getting used to multi-title fight uh, cards these days. Um. Tyron Woodley, Vicente Luque. Um, last time we saw our guy T. Wood, he was losing to uh, Colby Covington. Um, it was a TKO, I guess, technically, with the rib injury. Um, Vicente Luque um, bounced back from uh, his King of Violence matchup with Steven Thompson to beat Nico Price up and Randy Brown. Betting line for this one, I got think, isn't going to be kind to the former welterweight champion at this point, Steph. Yeah, Woodley is a plus 215 underdog to uh, Luke coming in at minus 255 favorite. I think the world of Tyron Woodley um, and his run as champion and him not giving a fuck about the UFC not treating him right and him just making his own stuff. And the man's got a show on TMZ. The man was in the fucking NWA movie. None of this with the help of the UFC. Um, I've never wanted to, uh, a fight to go three-round boring-ass decision by grappling more than this one. But I 
um, Vincente Luque is going to beat him up. I think it's going to be a bummer too, for me at least. Mark, who do you got? <laughs> yeah, this is tough because it is very easy to look at Woodley's last three losses and be like, you know, the wheels are falling off. You know, uh, it's all doom and gloom, which we are always quick to do. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. Um, I am going to go with Vince um, Luque as well. It, it, Yeah, it sucks to do. I, I don't like picking against someone because they haven't looked well, especially when they're fighting guys like they've been fighting. The, you know, he's fighting the current – his losses were the current champion – Gilbert Burns, who gave a run for his money against Usman, and Colby Covington, who's also you know a top guy. So you know those three losses shouldn't be curtains for anyone because we're talking cream of the crop. But you know for Woodley, who is a former dominant champion, it it is out of stride for him to to be as inconsistent. And stylistically, I think he you know matches up. He could match up fairly well with with Vince. You know what sucks, Mark? I think it's also for us. It's not just that who he lost to. At least for me, it's the way that he's lost. It seems like he's just not there. Like he's not. A, he's just. It's like in first gear, the whole fight, waiting for him to be Tyron Woodley, and it's not happening. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago where I have to point to you, Bobby. We were very critical of Woodley, mm-hmm. right? He was he was a round and a half guy. Like if he could win those first two rounds, he might be able to squeak out a decision. But he he couldn't go three rounds consistently. Um, he was inconsistent overall. But you know, he he it looked like he turned a corner, and now it looks like another corner has been turned. So um, I'm gonna go with Luke. It feels dirty, like you. I, I kind of hope Woodley can correct ship here. I think stylistically, if he's if he's able to utilize his wrestling, that's in a clear avenue that he should be able to win this fight. But I'm kind of betting against him and, instead of uh, Vince Luque, who I think is also a great fighter, a great stand up fighter, an exciting fighter. Stylistically, I, you know, I don't think they match up super well. But it's mostly just like I'm betting against. This, you know, this looks like a match for Woodley. Steph, this Steph, this looks like a matchup they put together for Luque to look good. I mean, like get a get a big win. Personally, that's what it reads like to me on the former champion. Yeah, um, I'm taking Luke. Um, you know, I, I do kind of feel Woodley might be a little washed now, but like you, Bob, I kind of I respect him too much to be mean about it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't got any jokes. I'm not rooting against him. I'd love to be proved wrong, and I think the avenue is there. I'm not sure what Luke's ground game is. If the wrestling happens, if he gets taken down, I'm not totally sure about his ability to necessarily get up. I do kind of see him more as a kind of Muay Thai guy, stand and bang. So the avenue at least is there for Woodley to bounce back. Um, but like you said, it's just the the will is, seems to be gone to an extent, or it's just the, the, the body's not responding, right? Uh, he, he really capitalized on power, on suddenness. His takedown was a blast double. You know, his power punch was that lunging, like, sudden counter hook. And, and the speed has really been a step behind in these recent fights. But again... Like Mark pointed out, elite level competition, right? You know, uh, Luke, he's he's a top 10 guy, but maybe not quite of the echelon for the title. So, um, you know, the, the avenue is there and I'd love to see him bounce back. But uh, I can't I'm not confident picking it until he shows it to us again. Mike, what do you think, man? Outside of Steven Thompson, who Luke lost to, this will be the biggest name on um, on Luke's record. Um, Tyron. If Tyron actually uses his wrestling, something he hasn't done in what four to five fights, then maybe that would be an avenue for him to win against Luke. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, sad to say, Tyron turns 39 actually in a few weeks. And when you are a top level athlete who is not in the UFC heavyweight division, 
38 going on 39 normally means you are over the hill. Um, and Luque is much younger, and he has sown a pension for violence in the octagon. And considering this is likely going to be a stand-up affair, I I hate saying this because I've enjoyed Tyron Rundley since the moment I set eyes on him. Say it for me, Bobby. What's the thing I love about Tyron Woodley? Really? No, crispy sh- crispy shape up. Shape up. Come on, he has a crispy he has a he has a crispiest shape up in the game. <laughs> God damn! I was about to I say, forgot. do you do you I not forgot know for me a second. at all? I, for, I forgot, man. I'm sorry. He had, man's hair was on point. Just always on point, man. Yeah. Um, shit. If, if, he, if, he start, if his a, hairline starts receding, that shit is gonna be on because, point. He's gonna be that symmetrically. We just picked fights like this motherfucker was going to die. It was depressing. <laughs> Jesus. I really set a bad tone at the beginning. All right. This one's going to be quick. Sugar Sean O'Malley's back. Um, the Sugar Show's back. God, all this sounds so fucking stupid. Um, he's taking on Thomas Almeida, who, if you listen to his podcast five years ago, we were all Thomas Almeida and Cody Garbrandt were the two dudes at Bantamweight we're all about, man. I remember thinking like, these guys, these guys are the future. And then they fought. And I can't name three Thomas Almeida. I can't, ma- I can't name one Thomas Almeida fight after that. And I'm sure they exist. He's fought once in the last three years um, where he lost to Jonathan Martinez on the Brian Ortega Korean zombie fan card back in October. Um, yeah, things. I don't know what happened there. Um, Sean O'Malley, last time he fought was his something happened in that Marlon Vera fight. His foot, his ankle, something mm-hmm. broke. We ain't seen him in nine months um, or seven, eight months. Um, betting odds for this one, I'm assuming, are not favoring Thomas Almeida, despite that. Uh, yeah, big, big favorite um, of the fights we're picking. It's the biggest. O'Malley is coming in at minus 300 to Almeida's plus 250. I, I don't think this was... I think this was... The logic in booking this was either Sean O'Malley's going to knock him out or these guys are entertaining enough that they'll start throwing heat and it'll be fun to watch. I don't know how I could pick Thomas Almeida at this point. When If you told me he was just not in the UFC, I would have bought it. I, I don't know what what's even there. I'm basing... I mean, I, Him being on this card is based on five years ago of what we thought of him. So I got Sean O'Malley coming off the injury, getting back on track. Mark? Yeah, I'm with Sean too. I really like his style. I, I love his style. His fights have been very entertaining. And my biggest concern here is the variable of like how bad was that re- injury? Is it going to hinder his movement? Because a lot of his setups for stand-up is all about his footwork and being able to get in the right position to throw the, the punches and the strikes that he needs to throw at that instant. Um if he's okay, you know, if his ankle holds up, you know, I think he should be able to win this fight pretty handily. Um, you know, we're all we were all very high on Thomas Almeida. He he came into the scene and really blew up and, you know, got us excited. Um, and he has not been able to follow that up. After that Cody fight, it's been a rocky road. Um, stylistically, you know, Sean is a tough stand-up fighter, but he's going to stand up with Thomas. So that's at least going to give him that avenue. And I, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Sean got injured because uh, Marlon Vera kicked, you know, it was the low kicks that did it. And Thomas Almeida, you know, had a really good kick. You know, he had good low kicks. So if he's going to change that into cab kicks, you know, it could be a whole new game. I'm still going to go with Sean O'Malley. I hope his injury has fully recovered. I hope we're going to see the Sean O'Malley of old because that was really something special. I would hate to see him not at 100% because of that injury. So hopefully we see a fully recovered Sean O'Malley and he looks good in this fight. Steph, am I being a little, are we, are we being a little bit too dismissive? We being, I guess, me mostly about Thomas Almeida. He's only got four losses. He's twenty nine years old. Uh, no, because if people cared about MMA enough to make one of those biggest busts of all time lists, Almeida's one of them. You know, like that last loss, 
you start when, when you start losing the guys we've never heard of, like when you're when you end up when now you're that low on the card, you're on the early prelims and stuff, like dropping to to newcomers and no names. It's like the shine has come off um, a little bit. Uh, you know, I think we're all gonna go clean sweep on O'Malley here. The, the story for me on O'Malley though, to kind of keep an eye on, his body is proving to be a little fragile. He's when he gets injured, he gets devastatingly injured. He got like, you know, he he's been out for a year with that foot thing. And before that, he was coming like after besides that, like the, that, you know, that nice one punch knockout. He had missed a prolonged year because he had to get stretched out because of his knee in 2018. Like a guy who relies on a lot of movement, a lot of unorthodox movement, has a lot of foot and knee injuries. Who does that sound like, you know, and you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be that, but it's it's kind of a story to watch with this kid. And it's something that may ultimately temper his hype train because that's what happened to Dominic, right? It was kind of a prodigious moving, you know, quick. He's got an unorthodox attack thing. You know, O'Malley has more flash and power than Dominic ever did. But man, the, the, when your wheels got problems like that, it, again, it's like I'm not wishing anything, but I just think that's kind of an X factor storyline to keep up with this kid is um, cause he, he said, cause I remember he, even with a foot injury, he was saying it wasn't something Marlon did. He was saying that he heard it in training. He, he was saying that he, you know, it could have just been excuses, but he was saying that he had tweaked it in his camp and yeah. it just got exacerbated in the fight. So if that's true, that's actually kind of worse than it just getting injured because Marlon was kicking the hell out of it. Right. Like, so um, yeah, yeah, did he recover back in time? How was the uh, what rehab? was it? What what did he break? Did he break his ankle? Did they he break said his it's foot? a list Frank injury, which is the like, f- so Sorry. apparently it was later diagnosed as a drop foot. It sounds a lot more fun and whimsical, like turf toe, but apparently that's like nerve damage in your ankle or something. And you're gonna come back from that in seven months or eight months. Doesn't sound like you should, because from what I'm saying on Wikipedia, you actually got to do some like gait rehabilitation and like. So this guy just smoked enough weed to numb the pain, because we know Sean O'Malley likes to get down a little bit, right? I mean, I that's mean, what you do when you're 26 and stupid, maybe. I'm, 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 I'm already talking to you, Mike. Are we going clean sweep here? We got to move on anyway. But I mean, you yeah, we're, pick him? We're, we're going clean sweep because even though Sean O'Malley seems to be a little paper mache, Thomas Almeida has shown us absolutely nothing in the last five years. By the way, guys, for as often as I'm terribly wrong about guys, the time I picked Cody Garbrandt against Thomas Almeida when all these motherfuckers picked Thomas Almeida is really the only claim to fame I got in picking, okay? It's the one time it went well. <laughs> yeah, but you don't understand, Bobby. In that time, Thomas Almeida had the darkest shades on indoors mm-hmm. and the most hair gel you have ever seen at a weigh-in. How look, can you not believe cool in that cool kid? He looked cool as fuck. How can you not believe in that kid? Oh, Cody seemed like such a tool, which, I mean, he still is. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> It was just, he seemed like he was an uber tool. It was like a, like, I like Team Alpha Male on some degree. Really just because you, or you're I like your Ryan Faber because he went to UC Davis. But man, there's some douchiness coming out. I knew a lot of people like that in college. Um, okay. Um, guys, we're going to talk about, that's it for UFC 260 for now. I don't know if they're going to get, they got to get another fight on this thing, man. I mean, they got to move one of these fights up to the main card at least because that fourth fight on the main card, I mean, no disrespect to Jamie Malarkey. Malarkey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike noticed <Malarkey>. that earlier. <laughs> um, and Karma Worthy. Um, but uh, what are we doing there? And uh, I, I don't really know a lot of these people on the other. It seems like it's not a lot of fights, period, on this Yeah, card. but you know if Malarkey wins impressively, he's going to become like an instant fan favorite. Like, oh, we're going to latch on to him real quick if it the, turns out he shows something. There's going to be a gif of Biden 
say, yeah, it's going to be a knockout of GIF, and then it's going to be Biden yelling, malarkey, and that's just going to be a, a meme going forward. Um, all right, guys, um, stuff we like. Do, uh, do you guys want to just get into, I mean, we're already an hour in. Let's just talk about Winter Soldier, and we'll talk about um, Justice League. Other stuff we'll hold off for next week. Um, let's keep the MMA tie-in, though, because Winter Soldier, uh, it was Falcon and Winter Soldier. Stefan, we're five minutes into this bitch. And who shows up? <laughs> I mean, no one told me that we were going to see the return of Batroc the Leaper. I was so happy. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm into this already. I got a question like, for you guys. Did you guys have the sub caps, the, uh, the, the subtitles on? I do, because I always I have them on. <laughs> did you yeah. notice? Did you notice that his character was billed as George's? I didn't catch it. Like it just it, said it, George? It I will send you guys the picture because I took a picture of it when I was watching it. <laughs> he, um, he transcends being Batroc. He's George the Leaper. There you go. Guys, we're going to get into much like, like we did with the WandaVision. We're going to really say it's the whole season. And it seems like this is more of a the way these Marvel shows are. We're going to build to a crescendo and we're going to really treat the season as a whole. I think we're going 10 episodes. Am I wrong? Nine episodes? What are Six. We doing? Six episodes. This is the shortest in, one, yeah. In six weeks, we'll, tell you, we'll give you a full breakdown of this thing. But just initial uh, impressions, George St. Pierre's in it, bitch. I don't know if he's going to come back. That made me happy. But I was, uh, I mean, I was into it. Um, I was, I guess we learned that they don't get paid <laughs> to be an Avenger. That was really my takeaway. But, I'm, you know, some slow burn stuff. Um, got some good old-fashioned racism. I was, you know, really set the we set the, the stage for some stuff, and you know, we saw Winter Soldier on a date. I was it, into it, this thing. It can't be that slow a burn. There's only five episodes left. I mean, I don't want to ask for stuff that like we all know the answer to because it was spoiled. But today, do we have a big bad already established for this thing? Did they like? We do. Famous? We saw him in the trailer. We're at least okay. one. Um, and I will say this is probably it because if one thing WandaVision taught me is not to expect too much out of these shows. Um, because ultimately, I think these are just kind of extra chapters, right? Um, these aren't, we're not going to get any big revelations because they kind of want the shows to be supplementary to the movies. You know, if you're not so hardcore to watch the shows, they still want you to be following on the movies. And that's, that's where the big stuff is going to happen. But um, we're seeing the return of a character from the other movies. And in this movie, he ascends to the purple ski mask, uh, Baron Zemo. So uh, that seems like that's kind of kind of be what's going on in the back here. Um, but yeah, it, it's you know it, it is it was a very character driven first episode. But like I said, you know, having seen WandaVision and kind of reframing my expectations of what the arts that's totally fine. That's totally perfect. It's fleshing out the characters that weren't the A listers, but maybe they're going to have to do a little bit more heavy lifting with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans uh, now kind of out of the fold. Um, if you look at the reaction to Wanda and what people are saying about Elizabeth Olsen, you know, maybe a star was born there. So if Sebastian Stan and um, I'm blanking on Sam's real name, Papa Doc. No, it's Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Um, <laughs> He's still Papa yeah, Doc. You know, if, if, this, if this can help raise their star level so that when they're in a more prominent role in the, these upcoming Marvel movies, that helps them like that's that's all for the better then. If I was smart, Mike, I would have said Papa Doc waited a beat and waited for you to say his real name's Clarence. And we really could have had something there. I really blew that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm into it, Marcus. I mean, where's initial reaction before we move on to Justice League? What do you think? Yeah, no, I, this shit's an easy sell for me. I, I, I'm on fucking board. 
um, day one. I, I would say of all the things, all the shows that they've shown, I, I thought the trailers leading up to the show got me the least excited. I was the least excited for this one because I, what I saw previously just didn't really excite me. I like this first episode. Obviously, this is going to be a much more straightforward narrative than we got with WandaVision. I think WandaVision was a very unique special show that we're not going to get a ton of those type of shows where, you know, we're every week we're guessing at what's happening. I think a lot of the Marvel shows are going to be a little bit more straight and narrow, except, you know, I think the Loki show will be a little bit out there, too. But this is much more of a focused, easy to follow narrative. And mostly what I love about these Marvel movies is even though the movies don't get a ton of time to world build, these shows will. And I think that's really interesting. I think I like having these series that have this continuity that goes through all the movies. And it gives me like, it really gives me a place in the world and a feeling of like what the day to day people have gone through. So having these shows kind of reinforce like, yeah, people, I mean, it's a double edged sword. The blip thing, like people have been gone for five years, I think is very interesting. I think it's interesting to have storylines around that. And then some of those narratives get kind of jumbled. I think it was really dumb when he went into the bank and they're like, where's your income for five years? Like, well, I got blipped, dude. Like, you should kind of know this. This is like everyone dealt with that shit for five years. And they're kind of like, the bank doesn't have like understanding of like not having income for five years because you didn't exist. That, that was stupid. That, oh, well, 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 that was kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to defend that because have you guys never had to deal with some bullshit bureaucracy because no, of some insurance Mike, so what crap I was, or actually, something Actually, what like I was going to say is like, I think that excuse of like the bank guy being like, you didn't have income for five years. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Wasn't, didn't really land for me. The thing that did land was like, look at the half the population just popped up everyone wants fucking loans right now like you have a, a shrimping boat like we're not going to back this i'm sorry we have to be a little bit more strategic with you know the bank's money that i thought made a lot of sense like yeah a lot of people just bounce back and everyone's going to need business loans and shit it's going to be tough to do and i thought i think diving into both those characters personal stories is really interesting because we don't get any of that stuff in any of the movies there's there's very little of these superheroes personal lives because there's a bigger narrative going on. There's a big baddie that they're chasing after. They're, they're trying to figure things out. There's not enough time to have the mon mundane, you know, Scarlett Johansson eating a sandwich. You know, they fit those in and they're great, but it's tough to do in, in you know, a tight knit movie. Bob? Do you think that they heard the criticism of the 10 minute fucking credits from WandaVision? Because let me tell you, this one was way shorter, the credits. Because I saw how long the first episode was and I'm like, all right, where's the, I'm trying to look at the preview. Where's the credits? I'm like, it's only a few minutes of credits. I, WandaVision had like 10 minutes of credits. I have credits. to feel like that is a low, like a low thing they're thinking about. I don't know why I, I, it went to my head because immediately I'm like, after the first episode of WandaVision, I'm like, these aren't this long. Let me see what that long it really is. Anyway, you say that, Bob. The credits, I'll tell you, the credits were seven minutes, okay? So if that's an improvement, <laughs> that's fine. Because I my my thing with WandaVision, period, was the show the episodes were too short. Like the yeah. half hour, I always felt when the uh what is it? Well it, it cut to that TV thing at the end every time. What was it? Like to be continued. I what it said. Yeah. Like, um, but it always would cut to that. I'm like, wait, that's it? That's the whole episode? The color so when I saw thing, this yeah. episode was 49 minutes, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just the first episode, but I hope these are longer because also knowing it's six episodes. But then when the credits started rolling at like 41 minutes in, I'm like, oh, you motherfuckers. And I just looking at the <laughs> scroll bar and I'm like, oh, there's still seven and a half minutes of credits. Is there any mid scene or anything? No, there's just lots of credits. You know what, though? Give me those seven minutes because what that seven minutes is really representing is they're putting fucking money and talent into these shows. And that's oh, the most course. important thing, because I don't need another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't need a low budget. Look, if I wanted to get my superhero fixed with some low budget bullshit, I'd be on Mike's train and we'd be CWing it over here with Days of Tomorrow and all that shit. But that's not for me. I like the Marvel 
what the MCU has done. And now that they're transitioning into the TV show, I expect this type of quality. And if it wasn't delivering this, I wouldn't be on these shows. I'd, you, I'd bounce off them. Do you remember what some of the Marvel Netflix shows were like? I think my, this was my common criticism where we get to the end where I'm like, this 13 episode thing could have been seven episodes. We really could have trimmed the whole <laughs> like, middle five episodes out. I've I mean, been, it's better though, you know. <laughs> I've been vocal. Like, I, I think the bar was so low that first Daredevil season really kind of like, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. But like I, I'm never gonna rewatch those shows because they're and I've talked about it. There's so many scenes I just don't give a shit what's going on. It's just two characters talking. And what the MCU does so well is they're gonna have a scene, we're gonna get these points across, and I'm gonna hit you with five jokes. So you don't, you know, you don't just numb over while we're doing our conversation. I'm gonna hit you with a little lore. I'm gonna hit you with the funny here. They keep it going. And um, yeah, so I I I've really enjoyed this show. I think it's, you know, I, I'm I like where they let off. I and I really like that action scene. It, WandaVision was kind of lack. And when they did get into action, it was in the last episode, it was pretty poor. This was high quality film grade MCU action scene when they were doing the kind of flying. It was also kind of dumb. Like when they jumped out of the helicopter, I'm like, well, Falcon's got this shit. He's all about flying. And these dudes are in fucking, they all, you can't go up in the sky suit that much, but this fucker can fly. Like, how are they going to have any, you know, advantage here but it was still a very fun scene and and that's why and that's what we're getting Dude, here is like the quality is is right there with the movie so i'm, I'm very pleased how many minutes after gsp being in this ep uh, this episode coming out was it the same day where habib probably saw it and said this motherfucker's not coming back this motherfucker like, got away on the show too. i never know <laughs> even in uh was it was he in winter soldier right he was yeah. in the beginning winter like i always forget like did he get away like what actually happens to that character because he just yeah, what, i forgot what happened here too i'm just like he's did he just get away with he got away boat and they call no he's he's in prison on the boat like he they have him Is found it? and secured when they call in the troops okay. and everything and it's just kind of presumed he's taken to super bad guy jail. But okay. that's what I say. That never holds. I, I, I had a hard time believing Captain America could get George St. Pierre. I'm supposed to buy fucking, you know, the guy who doesn't have confidence well, to be Captain America. I buy it, Bob, <laughs> is because when he was standing next to Chris Evans, I'm like, oh, that's right. George is a welterweight. He's a lot smaller. <laughs> he is much, much smaller than this man who's been it's professionally it's... lifting weights for this role. Hey, man, it's a middleweight champion, too. I'm just saying. 185, too. Um, let's get into Justice League. Um, okay. Um, this is going to be a long episode, folks. Just enjoy it. This is going to be spoilerific, which, again, this movie, I think the first time it came out was three years ago, though. I'm not mistaken. Um, and we got here is, if you guys don't know the story, the movie was originally being directed by um, Zack Snyder of 300 fame and... Really, did he direct Batman vs. Superman? And he was kind of shepherding a lot of these movies in the DC universe. Um, and tragically, Zack's daughter took her own life mid-filming. And he's like, I got to go live. I got to deal with real life here. And DC needed somebody to come fix it. And they're like, you know what, man? Joss Whedon handled the Avengers. Um, let's see if he can come fix this. Or come sort this out. I'm not sure if fix was the right word. The end result um, was not liked. People did not enjoy the Justice League movie overall. I don't think it got as panned as like Batman vs. Superman or anything like that. But it wasn't good. The reviews weren't good. I remember thinking at the time, eh, okay. Um, so HBO Max came out as a – when they announced HBO Max as this new series, as this new service, where people – I mean, this is before when they said on the pandemic, we're all going to get a bunch of every, – every movie is going to go to HBO Max. But they were just announcing HBO Max. One of the things, you know, to, to say this isn't just, you know, HBO – what they said was, we're going to give you the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. 
and that he was filming a bunch of new stuff and he was going to use all this, you know, he's going to, we're going to get the guy's original vision, which a lot of people were just like, okay, whatever. Honestly, it wasn't that positive, to be honest, at first, I remember with a lot of people, because I think they were just like, well, we saw what the guy did with Batman vs. Superman and shit like that. Like, how good could this be? This was released on Thursday evening, I think. Well, I just want to say, I, I want to chime in. I think um, that you're telling of the history is a little off there. Um, okay, that's fair. Snyder, I, I, he has a very fervent support base. This exists due to that fervent support base. It's like Firefly getting the movie. There okay. was a very vocal crowd that demanded. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut was a very real internet movement. This didn't come from nowhere, So is, is all I'm Fair saying. Is there, okay. there was a big demand, but like you said, it was met with the resistance of people being like, and me being included, I'll be honest, I'm not that big of a fan of Zack Snyder. Like, yeah. I've seen what came before this, and I was like, why is there such a strong expectation that this will be good? You know, like I was like you mentioned it, Bob, we're coming off the heels of Batman versus Superman, and I'm like, there was no interference in that movie. What was his excuse yeah. for that? Poor I mean, guy, look, you know? for me, I mean... Zack Snyder, I have the very distinct memory of us walking out of the movie theater after Watchmen and just being like, why did he do that at the end? So, like, that's for me, Zack Snyder, the lingering thing for me. But anyway, this came out. They said it was four hours long. And I'll be honest. I made the same joke everybody else did, which was just like, motherfucker, the problem with the first one wasn't that it was too short. Okay? That was not the problem with the original Justice League release. Um, Although I really enjoyed this movie. The original Justice League movie only clocked in at two hours. Yeah. I mean, we had to take out, we had to we had to we had to take out all of the fucking the entire story for Cyborg. Apparently, we had to kill all that shit, which was God forbid. That was we made that character matter. Um, I skipped that. I thought it was. I mean, I think everybody on this podcast is going to tell you that it was definitely better than the first one. I enjoyed myself the entire time watching it. It was four hours long. I know I made the jokes, man. I'm at home. What am I doing? You know, and it's broken up into parts. So I was just like, cool. After like halfway through it, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go eat dinner. I know what happened. I'm going to come back. I thought he did a really good job um, making me care about these characters. Uh, my criticism of a Zack Snyder movie is the same criticism I have of all Zack Snyder movies where I'm like, why the fuck is it always so overcast? Why does it look so gloomy in all these movies? You don't like his dark saturation. I, yeah. It doesn't do it for me because I'm like, even the Marvel movies, I'm like, it just looks like it's a good, even when bad shit's happening, I'm like, it's sunny. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm having a good time a little bit. This one, I don't like that, but I thought the movie... I like the Flash more. I like um, Aquaman. I was cool with because I saw the Aquaman movie. I liked Flash more. I like Cyborg. I actually cared about Cyborg. I did not give a shit about Cyborg the first time. They gave me no reason to give a shit about Cyborg the first time around. You know um, what uh, the Joss Whedon cut never does in its two hours? Hmm. It never explains what Cyborg's powers are. And that is <laughs> a very big omission that when they... He, he's I, I, I just had that realization when they were introducing him <laughs> and they were talking about like, you will be able to control all the systems, like manipulating the bank system will be like, you know, as flicking a switch to you. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, I never knew what Cyborg Marcus. is. Well, I just <laughs> want to say like, I thought that was interesting, but it was also like, why? Why are you giving this teenager <laughs> the nuclear codes? Like, and his dad's like, the hardest thing's going to be not launching the nukes. Like, then don't give him the nuke. I mean, I think they later explained that like, the cube just made this fucker. And happenstance he can control technology but like when they were saying that i was like this seems a little far-reaching like they, you can control all machinery and shoot the nukes it's like okay it's a little too much for you cyborg I mean, you're 18 you just like won your football game now having the nuclear codes is a little bit of a jump but like well you know they got explained later so i was like okay okay all right i got it 
you know what you know what I'm guilty of probably is I don't remember the first one that well. So I'm just sitting there the whole time dude. with the cubes and I'm just like Dude. I don't remember I don't remember any of this cube shit. When I like, opened I the movie like, and I'm Superman like, died, I was like <laughs> and Creed goes so so I was watching with my wife Christine and she never saw Justice League. I didn't even know. So like we're watching the beginning and there's like Superman's dying or whatever, and she's like, I have no idea what's going on. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I think this is a, a flash forward because I couldn't remember Superman died in Batman for Superman. I thought they both said their mom Dude, and Martha, I, I don't and that was the of, end of the movie. It's all I, honestly. I was sitting there and I'm like, the bad guy in this is Van is Vandal Savage, right? And then I'm just like, nope. Okay, nope, it's not. And I'm like, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I don't. It's sad. The only thing I remembered was a stupid ass joke because Joss Whedon had yeah. about what's his name sitting on the lasso of truth and talking about how hot Wonder yeah. Woman it was. That's the only thing I remember. I, I do remember Justice League pretty well, and so I'll point out some of the, the big things. Um, yeah. One of the things, and of course, Gogi gets angry as I'm, I'm talking here. He he likes the weed and cut, apparently. Um, one thing Snyder really had was the benefit of hindsight, right? Like, Whedon shot some new stuff, but he used a lot. The, what you see is, oh, you did use a lot of uh, Snyder's footage, and one thing we saw is the really bad humor. Like, the Flash goes on a three-minute tangent about what is brunch. Do you guys remember that? It was horrible. It has no laughs whatsoever. And Whedon added the parts where all the weird kind of sexual thing, Flash falls on Wonder Woman's boobs. He falls and is looking up her skirt. And it's like, yeah, there's no need for that. Like, we don't need to turn, like, the Amazons into a weird sex object joke, you know? And coming off of uh, Wonder Woman 84, like, oh, we got Wonder Woman the badass again. Remember, like, Batman versus Superman was bad, but I think most of us agree. Wonder Woman was handled pretty well. She was cool. Her introduction was fun. So it's like, that's the one thing that Snyder got right. Um, there's a lot of scenes is... Um, uh, one second, Steph. Sorry, Marcus, you want to get in on this? Oh, well, quickly? I was just going to say, like, and another, like you were saying, like another thing that this movie weirdly benefits from is that when the first Justice League came out, a lot of these movies didn't have their own standalone stories. But now, oddly enough, they do. So, like, we do know a lot more about Wonder Woman, and we do know a lot of, more about Aquaman. And even though they explain more in this movie because it's it's a four-hour movie and we get a lot more deep dives, it's really interesting that when the first movie came out, it was weird because it's like, okay, you're introducing, I think Wonder Woman was already in Batman vs. Superman, but you're introducing Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg, and it's a two-hour film, and you're not going to get enough time to really get them exposed. But now, after these have come out and we're redoing Justice League, it's like, oh, we have an Aquaman movie. We have two Wonder Woman movies. And now it's like, so we know those characters really well. And now it's like, okay, now give some time to Flash. Give some, obviously, Cyborg has a story that was not, you know, really, you know, drawn out at all in the first movie. Let's draw that out. So, like, there's a lot of weird hindsight that this movie benefits from that makes it stronger. And I think, you know, having these other movies come out and having this world fleshed out and also having the DC kind of nature of these films fleshed out, I think helps because I think what Josh Whedon was trying to do was because back then it was like these DC movies suck. The Marvel movies are really good. What does Marvel do really well, which I just talked about in Falcon is like there's humor. They they advance the plot by having humor. But what they also do is like their humor works, right? The characters, the jokes land a lot more. And the ones in that Josh Whedon had to, had to push into Justice League didn't work, and it made the the film worse. But yeah, so I think there's a lot of weird things that this movie coming out after all these other ones, um, and all these other DC movies. Because I think now, like, I think DC movies are good. Like Shazam was good, Aquaman was. I mean, look, they're not fantastic, but they're I think they're good, solid. I, flicks. I think people, people are really harsh. I think. Well, I think um, Mark, they Mike, have a hard. You know, you're, you're you're everyone compares them to the Marvel movies, and I think those are masterclass. And I don't think for me personally, DC is not quite there, they, but like they're enjoyable. They don't give them I any- watch them. They don't give them a lot of rope. Like it's really, like if they just like 
I think they could be they're more forgiving. Mike, you had your hand up earlier. I thought you wanted to get in on this. Yeah, just uh, just a critique more. Um, you know, I think some of the big differences between the the Whedon and, and the Snyder cut, and I had to go back and look at comparison videos that came out after the Snyder cut came out that really highlighted the differences. And one thing that really stood out to me, and I remembered a lot of when I saw one of the videos, was how they tried to make Ben Affleck's Batman, you know, just a really funny guy in the original Justice League movie, and it was such. And obviously we learned afterwards that that was all stuff that we didn't put in. And it was just such a big tonal difference from the Batman that we got in Batman versus Superman. Even though I hated that movie, there was a tone that was put in that movie. You know, that it, it was a Snyder tone. You know, he's a very serious guy. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> it was, I enjoyed that. Was, Batman's a dick. But right? <laughs> you, you, you really saw Batman's redemption arc between Batman versus Superman and the Snyder cut Justice League now. Um, that you really didn't see in the 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 Justice League, as as they call on, on the internet. One of the thing I was going to hope you were to point out because we haven't said it yet, but this was the biggest difference to me was the redesign of Steppenwolf. Because oh. Steppenwolf in the Joss Whedon, where he looks like a kind of slightly wrinkled man, but he's so <laughs> super CG that it's it's just absolutely hitting that uncanny valley. But here we kind of give him like turtle faced horns we make him more like mythic being like monster that just works so much better like they they gave obviously they added a lot of plot points with the whole extended runtime but mark and i saw the the justice league together in theater i remember and that was the biggest eyesore in that movie i was like who is this villain i've never heard of steppenwolf and he looks stupid like it was it was bad but so that's one of the things i thought was just such a massive improvement i got a question and I think I know the answer for some of this. How many of these people are still playing these characters? Because I know Batman is no longer bad. I feel for Affleck, man. Affleck won an Oscar and they said, what do you want? He says, I want to be Batman. You know, I want to be Batman and probably impress my kids and shit. And he a died in this thing. I know what's his name is playing Batman now. Um, yeah, Robert Pattinson. Twi- yeah, Pattinson. The guy from the Twilight flicks. Which I'm sure he'll do well. He's a good actor. I know so that. The, I, I, mean, I can't answer this. It, it kind of came out today. Um... I, the guy, uh, I think the Korean guy who's kind of running DC, I'm blanking on his name off the top of my head, he kind of confirmed this is it for the Snyderverse. We're not continuing the Snyderverse. This was kind of a one-shot deal. Um, who's remaining is, thus far, Gal Gadot is still going to be continue to be Wonder Woman. Um, I think what they are talking about is removing Patty Jenkins as the director. They are really disappointed with how uh, 84 performed and was received. Um, they're like they're like maybe they'll give Snyder control of Wonder Woman is what he'll do. Uh, Aquaman will continue to be Jason Momoa, and though he was mired in conflict, it does seem like Ezra Miller will continue on as uh, Flash. What did he do? Uh, there was I, 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 him I, he, he beat some dude girl. up. Yeah, oh, beating a, a woman at a bar where he's throwing her to the ground and like smacking her. So what's his name's gone though? Ray Fisher's gone, right? He's Ray Fisher is gone following his lawsuit. Ben Affleck is out, and after much tension, Henry Cavill is out as Superman as well. How, lost Henry how, Cavill? He's a good Superman, man. Yeah, he's the witcher. He was a, no, 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 he's the Witcher now. All right. Well, I thought he was a good Superman, though. But, but people, have, there's a, that one is a lot of behind the scenes tension, saying he's difficult to work with. There was the the whole Mission Impossible fiasco, which was messing the. If we remember from Justice League, was the uh, mustache gate and the digital lip. But, 
But that wasn't his I, fault, I though. Mean, he I mean, he, he, he was contractually not able to cut his mustache. He 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 was Gina Carano's boyfriend. I think we need to rethink the whole Look, situation. I like Henry Cavill. Stop about Gina Carano. The biggest guy's a dude, giant dorky gamer. But the word is he clashed very significantly with WB studio execs, and he's out. Um, Brandon, whole, Brandon Ralph, let's get him back, man. He looked fine. Let's get um, him back. What's a real shame? What, what's a real shame? Just real quick is considering. And this is what I thought at the end of Snyder Cut is considering that in this version of the movie, you know, uh, Ray Fisher Cyborg was such an important part. And he was I actually really liked his performance in it. It's a shame. And I understand why he did what he did. You know, if he felt that he um, was was treated um, badly by Joss Whedon and by, I guess, the director or the, the president of Warner Brothers. No, Jeff um, Johns, who is kind of the D.C. head uh for warner brothers he's kind of in the kevin feige role for dc i thought i thought it was some japanese dude like kevin wants something no oh, that's, that's the, the new head that's the one yeah but um in co- in collusion with stuff that Je- right. jeff john said and did yeah well it, it, it's Barely a shame one, cons- it's a shame considering how good he was in the snyder cut that yet now he's out as cyborg and cyborg's character has been completely cut from the uh the flash movie there's a flash movie well, supposedly. Like they start, uh, they, 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 they want to emphasize it is not the Flashpoint paradox. Uh, the, the director wants you to know he is not making that story, so stop thinking that that's the story he's making because you're just going to be disappointed. That's what everybody wants. <laughs> yeah, that's it's that's the thing. Fan Dude, by the way, that, that's the thing. Like You say what you want about these CW shows. Motherfucker has done, has done Flashpoint. They've done so many random shit in that TV show. It's absurd. On a very low budget. Um, um, I'm going to run the risk of us, you know, going super long on this, but I wanted to bring Whatever. up some from the movie. Um, I'm harsh on DC. And after I bring this up, I'm going to get harsher with some of my big complaints about this movie. Cause ultimately I thought it was good. Not great. Um, Cause there's a lot of things that Snyder does that I don't like stylistically, but I will give him credit for this. Um, growing up, as much of a Marvel head as I am, and it's Marvel over DC a million times out of a million, but my favorite superhero growing up was The Flash. And I will say that after they fail with the mother boxes and the world is scorched and Darkseid is about to come and then Flash reach it, he uses the speed force to turn back time. That sequence is the most visually stunning sequence in any superhero movie to me, period. Where you see him rewinding the destruction of the planet you see, like, the whole gravel is resetting and everything behind him. Like, that sequence was stunning. I love the design of Flash's suit in this universe. Um, one thing I think DC does well that is a big complaint about Marvel is the sameness of uniforms in Marvel. It doesn't matter if you're an Asgardian. It doesn't matter if you're a cosmic guardian in the galaxy. It doesn't matter if you're an Earthbound Avenger. You all have the same costume designer. You all have the same kind of faux leather latex outfits no matter where in the universe you come from. but There's like, cows everywhere, Stefan. There's <laughs> cows everywhere. That's no, a Marvel thing. In DC, everyone has kind of a very distinct functionality to why their uniform is the way it is. I think that's really cool. And I love the Flash's design. So I will say this. Ezra Miller runs really weird. Why He's always kind of throwing his arms like he's reaching. He's got real floppy. Like, you know, he kind of needed like a running consultant. Could we have brought in Michael Johnson to show him what optimum speed form is? He he runs goofy as hell, but I just love that sequence. Um, I just thought it was truly amazing. Uh, I'm know, looking for a real specific complaint here, by the way, Stefan, for you to come. I have one in my head. I'm waiting for it to come. It's about I, an unnecessary 
unnecessary person showing up. <laughs> oh, unnecessary. But that's one of my. Okay, so this is my this is my <laughs> um, There is a three hour version of this movie that is perfect uh, <laughs> because the fuck is Martian Manhunter doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pretend to be Clark's mom to tell Lois you gotta go outside. Like, well, what was that? That was just so fucking unnecessary. If you just had him come in at the end. I, I said this when we were talking earlier. Uh, Zack Snyder loves slow motion montages to songs that don't fit the scene. Um, you can find a YouTube video that shows you every single one. Uh, did we need a three and a half minute song of three Icelandic sisters singing about Aquaman reentering the ocean in slow motion? Like we got a full song. There was a, a verse and hook. I mean, that whole we, thing, we, like, we we could have tightened we could have tightened this thing up. I told you twenty minutes in. I'm like, there's five minutes of island footage from the fucking Amazonians we can cut out right now. We're just like, showing sweeping shots. I watched a video, uh, Cosmonaut Variety Hour, and he broke down this thing. Is um, at two hours into the movie. You get that guy, Desaad, he comes in, he's talking to Steppenwolf. Where is the third box? The hunters are looking for it. They have the scent. An hour and 20 minutes later in the movie, that exact exchange happens again. <laughs> hey, Steppenwolf, have you found the third box yet? The hunters, they have the scent. They're looking for it. They're getting close. It's like, yeah, you really don't need to keep reusing the same exposition when nothing is progressing. Like, it's four hours not it's not a necessary four hours there's a lot of the movie that's just redundant it's dragged unnecessary oh like i said overall i like it but these are problems i have with Zack snyder it doesn't need to be as long as it is there are unengaging moments i believe in his I defense though i guarantee you he's in post-production he's in the cutting room and he's like yo these bitches have been singing for three minutes tonight in icelandic I should cut this. I should really tighten this up. And probably homie in the back was just like, yo, where are they going? Everybody at home. <laughs> Keep it in. I mean, this that whole that whole ending of the movie was that. He's just I think the whole ending of the movie was Zack Snyder saying, like, this is what you this is what we could have had, guys. This is where we were going, motherfucker. I mean, look at all this. Before the movie even starts, you can clearly tell, like, oh, they just let this dude do whatever the fuck he wanted. Cause he's like, you know what? Four three C CRTVs. That's what aspect ratio I want. No studio house is going to put their movie in four by three. Okay, we have HD TVs nowadays. You don't do four by three. But if you let a fucker do whatever the fuck he wants, the first thing he does, like you know what? I liked watching movies on my VHS. That was the aspect ratio I want this movie. <laughs> like, okay, this dude can do whatever the fuck he wants. They obviously just wrote a blank check and it was like, yeah, you want three girls singing Icelandic songs for five minutes? Fuck yeah, dude. This is a four-hour movie. Do whatever the fuck you want. You want it by four by three? Go nuts. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I dude, think I got, right there. Some, like, okay, some executive vice president at HBO Max is like, yo, this motherfucker wants a four-hour movie. And some other VP is like, yo, bro, we need content. Let him, let, Dude, let him do I, what he wants. We need constant, I, bro. I got a 34-inch ultra-wide monitor, and I was watching it on that, and I'm like, there's so much black space. Like, I just, I was doing the Windows thing where you could, like, snap it to the corner. I'm like, I have, I fit the whole fucking thing, and it's full size in the tie here. <laughs> I have no it's just a very here. director thing to be like, I'm going to change the aspect ratio to do everything opposite of what everyone's doing nowadays to, to, to stand out. And it's like, did they, ex did they explain the black suit? Uh, did you never read that? So, no, no, I didn't. I didn't know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying why. I'm Credit saying, did to they not Grace it? Randolph, uh, who is a big Superman fan, and explained this for me. Comic in in the canonical comics, the black suit is a regenerative suit. 
from Krypton. In the movie, it's just a stylistic choice. They do not establish okay. that it is a recovery okay. suit or a healing I thought suit. I missed something. I'm like, um, yeah, because if, uh, if, if you wanted to be real uh, uh, comic uh, accurate, there would have been no cape. I yeah. feel somebody should have been like, and why is he wearing black? So an uh, Easter um, egg about the black suit, Bob, is um, the reason it has the cape is the studio actually refused to let him do the black suit. And so they filmed it in the red and blue suit and they just made it black in post. And uh, this is this is as Mark said. This is Zack Snyder being like, "I'm gonna do what I want. Screw you, execs." This is the Are Snyder cut. Are you kidding cut, baby. me? That I'm is like... that is the that is the story behind. If you look at the suit in shots, if it looks a little shiny or bluish, that it's because it's color corrected. It's not actually a black suit. Wow, crazy. They should just they should just let different directors make Batman and Superman movies on HBO Max, and that's the gimmick. Just different shit. Let's get let's get the Tim Burton one up. Let's get him in the cage and let's do that movie next. To, <laughs> we'll do one after another. To kind another. of put a bow on at least my opinions of this, I, the one thing I do want to say is, you know, kind of like Steph, I this whole project did not seem necessary to me at all. It was just like the movie happened. Let's just move on. Um, and when it was coming, you know, to fruition, I was I was really like, how is it even going to look like consistent with like the quality of having like a full you know, studio going behind it besides like doing post-production. And I want to say, I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, I think there's definitely some CG stuff that like stands out or doesn't look quite right, but I was expecting like whole scenes to look like cartoonish or like amateurish because they had to like reshoot a bunch of stuff. I think there's a cohesion throughout the film that it keeps a pretty standardized. I mean, at least for me, like I didn't see, it also helped that like, I couldn't remember shit from the original one to be like, Oh, is this a reuse scene or a new scene? But like it felt fairly consistent for me to have a movie where you added two hours like with post-production stuff so i i thought i thought they did a pretty good job on there i i just want to say i really like hbo max like for a service i wasn't so sold on i think it's fucking great same it's like first of all i mean probably some of this is a result of the pandemic and i know people are getting sued over this they're getting sued over this we're like we're just sending all the new movies to hbo max but that's fucking awesome um that's where i watched uh What's it called? The Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Fucking great. Um, I watched the Harley Quinn show you guys told me about. Fucking great. I'm watching Doom Patrol. It's all right. Um, you know, it's. Yeah. I watched Justice League on there. Dave, Dave hit me with everything I needed. Dave, Dave, not let me down on any level. Every, any level, they should stop recommending Game of Thrones to me. It's not happening. Same, Bob. It's too soon. I'll say the same <laughs> thing. Look, I didn't. I was not interested in HBO Max at all. And then it was only because like. You want to see the new Wonder Woman movie? You have to get this thing. And I was like, I begrudgingly was like, okay, I'll do their six month thing. I'll probably never use it. Like I never use Netflix and a lot of the other streaming service, but I use HBO Max quite a lot. I mean, I use a lot more than Disney Plus, you know. Um, so that's I, true. I, I think you, you kind of there, there's a lot of options for streaming stuff, and I think HBO Max has done a really good job of niching itself out of the pack because I do consume a lot more of their content than netflix and maybe a little bit more than hulu you you really need and this is my theory on streaming services and we're getting a little off topic here sorry but i think with all these new streaming services you can have the great library and sure that's cool that peacock's got the office or whatever paramount has i don't know you need to have new stuff new shit that's the only way this is going to work for me at this point for people to get stuff so the fact that hbo max is pumping out the new content and you know Disney Plus, man, God bless them. Once a week, I'm in Disney Plus. It has to be good. You know, though. That w- they all do yeah. new content. There's a ton of shit on Netflix, and the problem with Netflix is there's too much new content. I can't tell what's interesting or what's going to be good to me. It, my, it's my, my dad was trying to sell me on Lupin. That's the French like detective one, where I, it seems like it's good, but I'm like, that's a lot of reading. Well, is it oh, Lupin, or is that the anime 
Yeah, bank wasn't the anime robber. also a detective? Yeah, like Lupin, Lupin the, the Third. third. Well, Lupin it, the Third it, is it, a bank robber, but I don't know if that no, has this anything is, to do with that. This is this is the black dude who's a detective. Like I saw, I saw, watched like two minutes of it, and I'm like, this looks good, but I'm doing three other things, and I can't. The only problem with that, Bobby, is that having a show that might have been from an anime and having a black lead does not mean it's not from the anime, especially from Netflix, because you know they just slap a black person on front there and be like, diversity, motherfucker, and be like, wait, is this even, is this even the so, same show or not? I have no idea. Just so I'm on the same page here, so we got no Superman right now at all. Um, we have a Wonder Woman. No, we have Superman. We have a different... Who is it? Michael B. Jordan is going to be a black Superman. Did you not see that story? I did not see that story. I, I didn't see that no. either. I'm co- and that's, sure. And that's what cool. happens when you kill off Killmonger. He's like, I'll go join DC then. Um, man, Marvel gets a good, has the rare, excellent bad guy. They fucking kill him. And everybody's like, should have fucking killed him. He was too good. <laughs> um, so we got a different Superman. We have a different Batman. Um, we Is she still Harley Quinn? Sure. She's done two movies. I don't know. Is she? Whatever. Um, we got, um, we have Amber Heard, which nobody wants. In Aquaman, we'd like her to leave, given her controversy. We have the same Flash. We have the same Wonder Woman. We got the same Aquaman. And we don't have, we just don't have a cyborg. We have, we have a, whoever John Cena's character is in that Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. where that movie's not even out, yet he's already getting his own spinoff. Yeah. I told Mike that. Mike's just like, he did so well that he got his own show. This is John fucking Cena. All right, he can do anything. He's playing Vin Diesel's brother in Fast and the Furious. How? Hey, <laughs> how? hey, how, how Cena, John Cena was a scene stealer in that uh train wreck and yeah, that Amy Schumer movie, a train wreck. He was will, great. At I, that. Okay, I need I need a little context here because look, I don't I don't I don't want to turn this into a Fast and the Furious thing. But how the fuck do you have a movie that is nothing about family and this dude has a brother they never talk about for eight films? That's true. All he does is talk about. All I, they talk I don't about know, man. Family and how important family is. This dude's got a brother that's not riding along. Rise, oh, you guys! I'm just gonna tell you right now. In, in, in about in about four months, we're gonna have a section of stuff we like about Fast and Furious Nine, and where Stefan and Mark are gonna just leave, and Mike and I are gonna talk for twenty five to thirty minutes. That is actually accurate. I refuse yeah. to be uh, privy <laughs> to that talk because here's, uh, here's, here's the thing, though. It, it, it's been so long since the last thing movie's that I like. come out. It's been so long. I'm gonna have to like rewatch all of them from the beginning. <sighs> that's so tall. That's, you know what? You just turn on TNT any Saturday, any Saturday. I, it starts going. I gotta imagine, <laughs> Mike. I can find you a nice short 15 minute video that sums up all those movies because I'm they're, sure they're, once you take out all the car chases and crashes, it's very much. You know what? Dude, want to steal a truck? The, what's truck that? Um, family. Who's that one? I think it's Two Chain Song. We own it. Where at the beginning of one of the movies, they just recap the first five minutes go, in a four minute montage. <laughs> and I'm like, this is great. They realize these movies are just make no sense. Anyway, um, we're done with this. So there's going to be no, because people are saying, oh, they should let Snyder finish his thing. That's not going to happen. None of these people are under contract. Not going to happen. Oh, there's, we have a totally, we have no Joker either, right? I mean, Snyder also said he actually would like to move on. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's kind of mutual in this case. But, yeah, you want to be reminded of the movie you were working on when one of the biggest tragedies of your life fucking happened, too. I imagine that sure. might be thing, too. We have no Joker, right? I mean, we don't. It's Things are unconfirmed. You know, there's the Will Leto get to continue it, and there's the whole... The, the Joker uh, from, was that... Was it 2018 or 2019? Um, 2019, I think. 2019, that joke. Joaquin. That was meant to be a standalone, but it made such a mountain of money that someone's gonna force go. a sequel through you know so, my, but my end game is that there's no is there a cinematic universe right now no it's what are they calling it it's the whole like uh 
bunch of standalones. You know, everything yeah, kind of independent. Like, of each is, this, other. is this new Suicide Squad? Is James Gunn? It's a reboot. Is it even in the? It's, a, it's like is it even in the shit? It's like, a, it's a, it's a world? complete reboot. It's its own thing. I'm very excited for that. I have a lot of faith in James Gunn. I'm looking forward to being disappointed, but I'm very excited for that one. I and, mean, kudos to him. He he got that, and then he managed to use that as leverage to get Guardians of the Galaxy back. So he just gets to double dip in both. Uh, are, are, there, both are, there, sides. are they really calling it as Guardians of the Galaxy? Is that really what they're calling it? Or is they that should. just a joke on the internet? They should. I think like, I'm serious. Is that what they're calling it? As Guardians I, of the I Galaxy? Think so, because I think that's what like Thor will just continue in their movies. Okay. We've had a long show. Um, just real quick. Is Loki alive in the current universe of Marvel or not? I was thinking about that. A version Did of Loki. A version, right? Mike, you're, Mark, you're, uh, Steph, you're muted. Yeah, it's a past version. It's the Avengers 1 version of Loki traveling through time with the Tesseract. When are we getting Doctor Doom? Let's be honest. That's what I'm waiting for. When they introduce the Fantastic Four and whichever big movie they want to introduce them in. If they want to bring the same four people back of the original Fantastic Four, not... (laughs) You realize one of the original original four was Chris Evans, right? That's true. Don't even even, even fucking explain it. it. That's the only one who I want to replace is Chris Evans as Human Torch again. But I will say in that I'm actually, I'm really on board with the internet desire. The, the Krasinski blunt combo would be really great for that. I, I get it's not diverse, mm-hmm. but fuck it. That's Do a, they have a cast? There's no. All? It's, it's, it's all it's been is announced. The logo was revealed at uh, the D23 like expo with a bunch of other Marvel properties, but it's still like two, three years out at best. Do, do you know what's sad with the what the shitty fan? I mean, there was multiple shitty ones, but the shitty one with Alba and Evans and all them. I thought the casting of who they put in it at the time. I even I, even the guy playing Doctor Doom because I actually enjoyed Nip Tuck and I thought he was a real dick in that and I bought him. I'm like, I don't think they picked the worst people. They just fucked it up royally. Like they fucked it up impressively bad in those Fantastic Four movies. I thought that the people they put into it because Jessica Alba was as popular as she ever was going to be. Yeah, and you know, I have a opening day movie stub to Honey. That's where. That's I right. We saw Star Wars. We saw Honey. We saw Honey opening day. Chris Evans was great. Michael Chitlis was I, a uh, fit perfect. First off, the, sh- the thing. What was the name of that show the on FX? He won all the Emmys for The Shield. He. I mean, I don't. I, I, the other guy was just from King Arthur. I don't remember what else he did. But fine, I bought him. Again, they just fucked it up. Anyway, we're way off the course here. This is a long episode. Thank you all for listening. We're gonna be back next week. Um. We're going to see if we got a new heavyweight champion. We're going to see if the UFC fills out the rest of this fucking card. And we're all going to fawn over Marvin Vittori because he is main eventing next Saturday against Darren Till. And I am picking Marvin goddamn Vittori until he loses or fights Israel Adesanya. Um, Until then, um, obviously, we think you should probably watch the Justice League. Um, And get in. You know what? If you're already, you know, if you got Disney Plus still, you should watch, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. These are general recommendations we have for you as always uh stay safe out there wear your mask get vaccinated because it seems like you can just do it now if you're in a lot of places if you're 16 in arizona you can do it do it um till then i was dr law that was kid presentable that was lavender gooms and that was dj mark thank you all so much for listening peace out see you cheers bye guys